Good morning. How are you guys doing today? Good. Anybody have a rough week this week? Oh, I had a little bit of a rough week myself, but, uh, you know, Jesus says that uh, he tells us these words that we might have peace. In this world we'll have trouble, but behold, he has overcome the world. And uh, that's just something I needed to hear today. Um, Pray with me real quick. Father God, we just give you glory today. Lord, we just invite your spirit. I feel your spirit here today, Lord, and I just thank you for your presence and for who you are, Lord, and for this opportunity to try and teach what you've been teaching me, Lord. Lord, I just ask that you just build up everyone in this church today, Lord, and that you just speak through me today in Jesus' name. All right, guys, so we're in the book of James right now. Uh, We did our first series last week, Stephen preached, and he was preaching on trials. He was preaching on counting all trials as joy, which is hard to do. And it doesn't mean that we're supposed to enjoy suffering, but it does mean that we're supposed to count our trials as joy. He also talked about asking for faith or asking for wisdom in faith. Because if you don't, you shouldn't accept that you shouldn't believe that you will receive anything. You know, Jesus says that in uh, Mark 11, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, anyone who says to this mountain, be uprooted and cast into the sea and does not doubt, but believes what he says will come true, it shall be done for him. Therefore, anything you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it shall be yours. The Holy Spirit through James says, those who ask for, for wisdom without faith are a double-minded man who's unstable in all of his ways. So I just want to look at a couple of scriptures, and I just want to get that in your minds. What, what is a double-minded man? If you would turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, we'll be starting in verse 6. says, yet among the mature we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away, but we impart a secret wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written... What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts, except the spirit of that person which is in him, so also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of this world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. And we impart this 
and words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. It says we have the mind of Christ. Now we once walked according to the flesh, and we once walked in the natural mind, and we perceived things in the natural mind. Everything we knew, we couldn't understand the wisdom of God. We couldn't understand the things of the Spirit of God. But God gave us his mind. He gave us the mind of Christ. So what it means to be a double-minded man is when you're still trying to walk out in your flesh and you're still trying to interpret the things of the Spirit in your mind. You become a double-minded man. The Bible says that the outward man is perishing, but our inward man is being renewed day by day. So what does this mean? If you haven't done this, I think it's time that you, you take up your cross and you follow Christ to Calvary and you put your flesh up on the cross and you die to your flesh so that you can rise in the spirit of truth. And so you can say, it's no longer I live, but Christ who lives in me. You see, if we're made new, we got to walk new, and we got to talk new, and we got to be new. If Christ is really in us, and if we're dead to our flesh, that should, that should be what our lives look like. The Bible says the love of Christ controls us. That's how we should live, by being controlled by the love of Christ and putting on the mind of Christ that he gave us and living in the spirit of truth that lives in us. I'm going to read another scripture just to further this point. And this is in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And we're going to start in verse 14. says, for the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him Thus, no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to him and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. He gave it to us. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting us to the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him who had no sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So what am I saying and what does this have to do with James? 
You see, if we truly are dead to sin, that's what our life should look like. It should look like someone who's put those things away. And I'm not saying that we're going to be perfect and we're never going to sin, but I would ask yourself, is Christ doing a change in your heart? Are you being renewed daily? Are the sins of your past still controlling your life? Or you do, do you see a new evidence of the new creation that's taken place within you? I would also challenge you to ask yourself this. If Christ is alive in you, are his works moving through you? You know, it's... Uh, we don't talk about works a lot these days in church because it's become kind of a, a hard topic to talk about because people are afraid to preach works because we're not saved by works. The Bible says, for by grace you have been saved, not of works lest any man should boast. But then right after that, it also says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ for good works. So that's who you are. You're his workmanship created in Christ. And, uh, you know, I used to find my identity in this. I used to say, uh, you know, I'm a sinner saved by grace. And, uh, you know, I thought that was actually a, a Bible verse, but it's not. <laughs> and... It's not really who we are because when you do that, you're finding your identity in who you used to be instead of who you've become. Yeah, we sin, but we're a new creation in Christ. We're saints. And you got to know who your identity is in. It's in Christ, and it's not in your old self. See, we have the mind of Christ, and we have the spirit of the living God living inside of us. And the reason I want you to understand this before we get into James is because James draws fine lines between life in the flesh and life in the spirit. And if you don't put on the mind of Christ and receive that through the spirit, it's going to be very hard to understand. In fact, the Bible says it's impossible for you to understand. So I just pray right now, Lord, just come. Open the mind of Christ within us. Holy Spirit, move through us. May we receive your word, Lord, and humbleness, Lord. Lord, do a work in us. Thank you. Let's turn to James chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 12. It says, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has received the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. So what does this mean? You know, some translations, it says trials. Some translations also say temptations. So who are you in a temptation? Are you going to go back to your old self or are you going to revert to your new self, who you are now? It takes faith to go through temptations. You have to believe that what God has promised is greater than what this world has to offer. And that can be hard to do at times. Let's keep reading. Verse 13. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, 
brings forth death. So don't blame God for that. It says sin brings forth death. Christ came to bring life, not death. Why is he going to tempt us with death? No, Christ came and he was tempted for us. Not by God, but by Satan. And he was tempted in every way and he is without sin. And that's why we find our hope. But our temptations, they come from our flesh. They come from our perishing self. The person we used to find identity in. But we are to deny ourselves and follow Christ and become who he's called us to be. Verse 16 says, do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. You see, God's not tempting us with evil. He's blessing us with gifts. He's blessed us with the grace to overcome trials and temptations. Every good gift. He sent his son to die on the cross. He sent his spirit to empower us through all the trials. Keep reading in verse 19. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Now, you might say that there was an instance where Jesus got angry, right? But what's the difference? Jesus' spirit was grieved. This says the anger of man. This is the anger of the flesh. This is the person of your old self trying to take control. You see, if I read it, it says, let everyone be quick to hear. Well, if you're slow to hear and you're quick to speak and you're quick to anger, you could almost call that the fruits of the flesh. But we're of the Spirit, and the fruits of the Spirit are love, peace, and patience. Right? Therefore, verse 21 Put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away at once and forgets what he was like. We got to be doers and not just hearers. See, faith comes from hearing and hearing from the words of Christ, but it requires an action. It's time we live for what we are created for, for the good works of Christ. You know, he uses this natural example of looking in the mirror and forgetting what you look like. Spiritually, it's like looking into the Bible, forgetting who you are in Christ. You know, you are his workmanship created in Christ for good works. Therefore, he tells us to preach amongst the nations, to make disciples. He says to visit widows and orphans in their affliction. Why? Because the love of Christ controls us. He says, go and 
heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, and cast out demons. Freely I have given, freely you shall give. And if we forget that and we look in the mirror and forget what we look like, we're going to look like the world and we're going to produce the fruits of this world. I'm going to read another scripture. This is Jesus talking in Luke 6, 46. It says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell and the ruin of this house was great. So why do we call him Lord if we don't do what he says? Are we doing what he says? You know, whether you're a hearer and doer, or just a hearer only, both of these instances, there's still storms coming. And it's going to be really hard. And if you don't have a foundation in Christ, and if you don't look to Christ's word and see what it says then the fall is going to be great too. You know, we got an enemy in this world, and this world is not even our own. And he's seeking to devour like a roaring lion, ready to kill, still, and destroy. And that's what he wants to do to you. That's what this world wants to do to you, because you're in Christ. But the devil's taking a big bet every time he attacks, because... If he doesn't break you down, he's going to make you stronger in the Lord. You know, it's going to be hard. And when trials come, it's hard to act in faith. When things don't go your way, it's hard to act in faith. You know, I'm going to tell you a story real quick that uh, I really didn't want to tell you, but I'm going to do it anyway. So... This is my, about my Uncle Jason, and, uh, you know, this is a guy that when I was a little kid, I wanted to be like so much, and uh, he's just a real cool guy, and I loved him a lot, and three years ago, you know, he got a pancreatic cancer, and, um, you know, the doctors gave him six months to live, and but, you know, a year goes by and he's still alive, and two years go by, he's still alive, but uh, one day I get a call and, you know, it's the doctors, they want the family to come down because they don't think he's going to make it past the night. So I go drive down there and I get to talk to him. You know, I didn't really know where Jason was with the Lord, but I got to uh, just talk to him and I got to see him really confess Jesus and um, you know, and uh, I, I just started talking to him and I had, I had to get real close to him because, uh, he's in construction his whole life and he couldn't really hear. So, but he tells me, you know, he says, I'm in a lot of pain. So the words of Jesus says, pray for the sick, right? 
So I pray over him, and the plane goes away. All right? And then a couple days go by. He's still there. He didn't pass away. And uh, I go back, and he's in a new place by this point. And, uh, you know, every time I go see him, there's something new. Like he's getting blood clots that could stop his heart. His leg's about this big, puffed up. I pray for it, and it goes down. I come back, his other legs, the same way. I pray for it, it goes down. You know, the storms are coming. They're hitting me. Every day it's a new trial. Every day it's a new problem. But every day so far that I prayed, it worked. And, uh, you know, this was... This was true in the rest of my life, and I haven't really talked about this to people a lot, but, but God was getting me to go pray for a lot of people, just random people. And I was seeing healing in my life like I've never seen it before. And I go and uh, go back to see him. I was trying to see him almost every day, and he's, he'd been put on a lot of heavy, heavy medication. So I saw him, and he was just pretty much asleep, you know, didn't really get to talk to him. And uh, I came back the next day and uh, still couldn't really talk to him, but I heard God tell me, he says, go in there and pray for him by yourself. And I go in there and I start praying. I hear the Spirit tell me, look up. God opened my mind to the spiritual realm and I saw over his face, I saw another face over his face. And I don't tell this a lot because it's different. It's something we don't talk about a lot. But I saw a face and I knew what it was. It was a demon. The Bible says, cast out demons, right? So I cast it out. And as soon as it goes, another one pops up. And again and again. And the Lord's telling me what kind of spirits these are. And I'm calling them out by their name. Leave, leave, leave. And they're leaving. And uh, it didn't shake me up then because I was in the spirit. But as soon as I left and as soon as I drove off, man, I was shooken up. I actually went to Joel's house to play poker. and uh, I didn't really talk about it. I, was, uh, I didn't really play very good either because I was kind of all over the place. And, uh, but the whole time I was playing, I could just hear God saying, your uncle wants to go. And I was just like, no, no, that's my mind. It's not God. No way. Because I just seen all this healing. Months, man. You know? And I just hear this all night, and I ignore it. The next morning I wake up, and I'm on my way to work, and I hear it again. It says, your uncle's ready to go. I'm like, no, no way. But after I get to work, I get a call. Your uncle's passed, man. So I go down there. I see him and I just start crying. You know. Lord says, raise the dead, right? I don't think he wanted to be raised. He was with the Lord, but I tried anyway. I said, in Jesus' name, rise up. It didn't happen. You know, and it almost broke me. 
it didn't hit me right away, but I'd been praying for, for people, and after a couple weeks, it just kind of stopped. I didn't even notice it. It just stopped. You know, I looked into the mirror, and I, I forgot who I was. I forgot who I looked like, what I looked like. And, you know, we go through trials, and life doesn't always go the way you want it. But circumstances don't. What God's word says is above what certain circumstances say. And I didn't want to go out, and I didn't want to try to pray for people anymore. And I, I was too hurt. I didn't want to do it. You know, and I heard the voice of the devil saying, you know, Christ says go raise the dead. Well, it didn't work, did it? But I don't really care because what God's word says, if God's word says in the name of Christ, dead will rise, then in the name of Christ, the dead will rise, and I don't care. You know, um, sorry. I'm not going to let a certain circumstance define who I am in Christ. I'm not going to let experiences define who I am in Christ. I'm not going to let the voice of the devil define who I am in Christ. Because that's not who I am. Because we walk by faith and not by sight. Because what is faith? It's the evidence of the things unseen. You know, when I was going through all this, God kept having me go to this certain verse in Mark. And it was whenever Jesus says, be careful of the leaven of the Pharisees. And the disciples think he's talking about the fact that they have no bread. You know, natural mind. And Jesus confirms it. He says, you know, what really stuck out to me was says the fact that there's no bread. Bible says it's a fact. Jesus affirms this. He says, are you talking about the fact that you have no bread? The fact. He says, where were you whenever I fed the 4,000 and the 7,000? You see, the facts of this world are subject to the facts of the kingdom of God. They're greater. Christ has overcome this world. And we have to look at to his word and see what it says about every situation and not look at to the world for us to figure out and interpret what God's word says. Let's keep reading. Verse 25 says, But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and preserves being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit widows and orphans in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. If he doesn't bridle his tongue, You see, Jesus says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Your tongue is a representation of who you are. So if you believe you're in Christ, but your tongue does not confess that, if your tongue confesses the world, then I would be careful. 
but a religion that is pure is to visit widows and orphans in their affliction. That's what Christ would do. That's what Christ would do if he was in you. You know, we're in a broken world. And we're in a world where there's orphans out there that don't know they have a father. You know, there's people without hope. There's people that are sick. There's people that are dying. And we're the ambassadors for Christ. You know? And why is that? It's because the love of Christ controls us. It's not of ourselves. It's because we are controlled by Christ. So I would just ask yourself, are you dead to sin? Is Christ alive in you? Are his works moving through you? You know, Christ says this. He says, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. So we must go. Amen. All right. That's it. Let's, uh, let's close it out in prayer real quick. Lord, I just thank you for uh, being with me today, Lord. I just thank you for who you are and Lord, that, that you just get all the glory, Lord. That we are in, created in you for works, Lord, but our works are done through you and not of ourselves, Lord. Lord, I just love you and I just thank you for, for this opportunity, for this church, for all the people. Lord, I just ask that you just open their minds to the mind of Christ, Lord. And I just repent of dead works, Lord. Lord, uh, I want to do your will. I want to be an ambassador for your name, Lord. I know this church wants to see this city changed and this world changed, Lord. So we just ask that your spirit lead us through all that. In Jesus' name, amen.